Here's to the finest crew in Starfleet. Engage. Watch your back, son. I'm Luke. I'm Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Voyager. Captain Captain Janeway of the USS Welcome to The Greatest Generation. It's a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. How are you doing today, Adam? Fine. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> we're starting an hour and 15 minutes after uh, we were scheduled to start, so I just wanted to make sure you were doing fine. Yeah, and the lateness of our start time is my fault. <laughs> Yeah. I knew it from the start. Yeah. Just checking in, buddy. Do you ever run into this? The, like, uh, the, I don't know how you're running a business over there, but most people get MLK Day off of work (laughs) that tore through my household yesterday. Wow. (laughs) A day I had intended to both observe and reflect and also get a little work done. Right. Because I'm a small business owner (laughs) and, uh... (laughs) Boy, was I not permitted to get any work done. (laughs) So I had to cram in all of my episode watching today, which is why I asked for a little bit of a a push off of our recording schedule. Yeah. It's hard to do a a watch and notes and write jokes and do show twice in one day, but here we are. You write jokes? Yeah. Yeah. Whoa. Huh. Why isn't our show funny then? I don't think that should come as a surprise to most people. <laughs> that people hated it when we pre-wrote jokes. Not mine. Okay, so so that's just a complaint leveled at me. I get it. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Is it cold where you are? You look like you're wearing a thick shawl. Yeah, I'm bundled up today. I uh, had a weird, like, the internet's been, like, real shitty today and I've been like in and out of the garage like trying to figure out whether it's the router or the internet hookup and I haven't been able to like keep my office as warm as I like and I try to turn off the heater when we start recording so it is chilly in here I am using a gas furnace heat are you doing that mm. where you're at no no I've got a uh, an electrical mini split here in the um here in the garage. The house is on a gas furnace, but this is not covered by that out here. The reason I, I brought that up was that, uh, and I don't want to date the episode too much. <laughs> I hardly know it. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> yeah. I'd say get coffee and don't put labels on it, you know? There's a recent news story that was talking about how maybe gas appliances not good for your brains. Yeah. We've got gas appliances over here. Yeah, you fucked up. (laughs) What you're going to want to do is uh, order a bunch of new appliances and uh, hire a bunch of tradespeople to come over to your house and put them in. We've got a homeowner who's got some regrets (laughs) about where he decided to put the funds for a kitchen remodel that he most recently completed. My... Father told me this when I was like a teenager that when he was in architecture school, one of his professors said like, if a company tried to bring like a gas stove onto the market today and it was the first time anybody had ever made such an invention, it would never get through like regulatory approval. Like there's no way anybody would be allowed to burn 
gas inside their house in a modern regulatory regime. It's grandfathered in. I had a trade come through not that long ago who had just crossed the threshold of the front door mm. and was like, uh, you got a gas range, don't you? <laughs> I was like, yeah. Was he guessing that because you can see your gas range from your front door? <laughs> I think he was. He just looked into my home and saw like everything was wavy <laughs> from the gas. <laughs> no, he said he could always smell it. Like even if it's supposed to be undetectable, he said anytime he walked into a stranger's home, he could. It's it's like what Chuck was saying about uh, how it smells like an L.A. home. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, it, it smells like a gas home. Yeah. Made me self-conscious. And uh, now I, f- I feel like I might be poisoning myself. You might be. You might not. My brains are hanging by a fucking thread, Ben. Like, I'm I'm seeing opportunities to slow down the creeping cell death that takes place <laughs> there. <laughs> and when I look around my house, I see those opportunities all around me. Yeah. You've really signed yourself up for acute cellular degradation, much like somebody that's trapped in a pattern buffer for way too long. Oh, yeah. As in today's episode. See, I was trying to make a point. You were trying to make a counterpoint. And here we are at the pivot into the episode, Ben. It's Star Trek Voyager Season 5, Episode 10. Counterpoint. Reverse course. Unless you've got something a little bigger in your torpedo tubes. I'm not turning around. So this one starts off with kind of a showdown. The Voyager's getting surrounded by multiple very aerodynamic-looking ships. Like, these ships look like they could go in atmosphere. They look like big, gray double Ds. (laughs) You know, like, especially when they're shot from above. Yeah. Like an aging porn star. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Those are the original silicone implants, not saline. (laughs) Right. Yeah. You talk about cellular degradation. Yeah. Just to bring that back to the fore. Yeah. This is a traffic stop, Ben. I don't like this at all. I don't like the feeling of it. It it feels gross. They got to heave to and prepare to be boarded. And, you know, Janeway, like, uh, like blows into her hand to see if you can detect gin on her breath. (laughs) Let's see. Uh, Z, Y... X, W, U, T, S, R. Stone cold sober, I'd be so bad at that. <laughs> and that is exactly what I would say in the moment, and that would get me arrested. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Sir, you're coming with us. Yeah. So these are a D-class ship, right? They're Devor ships. Yeah. Yeah, they sure are. They're assuming a tactical formation. We kind of cut around, and there's something going on in the cargo bay. There's something going on in the transporter room. They're, you know, like some status of something is being checked on to, to make sure everything is ready for this. And uh, and then they get their FaceTime from the Devor. And uh, this guy refers to them as a Kahari vessel. And uh, tells them to heave to and prepare for inspection. Yeah. This is something that's happened before. And this is another element of the scene that kind of sucks. Like, the crew is used to this sort of check. So, like, when they're 
stood against a wall and scanned, for example, there's like the expressions on their faces right. of people who are caught up in some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, the guy asking to see your receipt on your way out of the big box store. It's like, I don't love getting asked to verify that I bought all this stuff, but I guess this is your fucking job. Yeah. Let's get this over with. There is a man named Kashik who has set up shop in Janeway's ready room. Yeah. And he's got a lackey with him. And he's just gone ahead and helped himself to the replicator. We know that this is a, a scarce resource on the ship, but, you know, he's going to help himself to the last two Keurig cups and uh, <laughs> make them some coffee that Janeway doesn't even want to drink. I don't think she wants to drink it because she doesn't want to give him the satisfaction of his hospitality being right. received, right? Yeah, well, it's that, and also like she tries to like break up the cups of coffee with a with a broth in between. You know, <laughs> she she has like a buffer broth that she's waiting on, and she doesn't want to just uh, jump the gun. You know, you know, if you've got an espresso machine, sometimes you need to run the broth tablet through every <laughs> once in a while to oh, prevent sure. scaling. Right. Right. Yeah. If you live in an area with particularly hard water in your replicator system. God, you know what sucks is that Janeway probably loves that dirty mushroom coffee. <laughs> you know? Ew. It's for my brains. <laughs> it's to counteract the fact that this is a natural gas-powered replicator. Kashuk's <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't think that's going to help. Yeah, yeah. Kashuk's got a vibe, doesn't he? Yeah, he seems like a real bon vivant. Good morning, Captain. There was some episode like in early seasons where they had kind of a similar dude coming aboard. And I was like, is this like a retread of that episode? And I, I was trying to remember what it was, but uh, I didn't get very far in my Googling to try and jog my memory. As comfortable as Kashik is in Janeway's chair, this is a very uncomfortable cut to theme song, I thought. This felt to me like, you know... Kashik delivers his moment. Please make yourself at home. And then we kind of cut to theme in a way that made me wonder if, you know, I feel like these scripts have to be written with the theme in mind, like right. the cold open, and then we dissolve to theme. This feels like, and I don't know this for sure, but on the paper, there was never a moment where that was written in. And this was like a a theme for the edit. Yeah. It almost feels like it could have been solved with the music cue too, mm -hmm. right? Like it like if they if the music had just swelled at that point, like But because Kashik has already helped himself to the settings on the radio, do you think it's the uh, diegetic music that has ruined that possibility? Mahler's first symphony was not the right choice. They should have picked something more intense, yeah. something more dramatic. The worst part of Mahler are the rules at the end of all of his songs. Mm. Uh, new rule. <laughs> Kashuk likes my songs the best. <laughs> and if Janeway doesn't want to drink my coffee, she can cram it. So smug, Mahler. <laughs> What a smug asshole. The Mahler reference is code, right? Like, I feel like anytime you play a definitely German-Austrian composer in a scene with a, like, sort of fascist vibe. Yeah. Like, there's going to be implications, right? Yeah, but I was trying to think about that. Because, like, if it was Wagner, like, 
a hundred thousand percent, right? Yeah. But like- Most people don't know the difference between Mahler and Wagner, like me. I didn't either, but I read a little bit about Mahler today while I was not reminding myself which Voyager episode this reminds me of. Uh And one thing I read was that the Nazis forbid performances or playing of Mahler's music. Like, Interesting. Yeah. So I don't know what to make of that. Like it, it, it almost like runs contrary to, but uh, I don't know. It almost does, but in a way that helps to serve the story's complication of Kashik, right? I suppose so. Yeah, he uh, <laughs> he's a complicated man, I guess. Yeah, he's kind of a fantasy fascist too, right? Like, like he's so slick, and he's well spoken. And he's good looking. Yeah. Like in a way that no real guy <laughs> of that ilk is. Like they're all derpy dimwits, you know, but this right. guy's like smooth. Yeah. Cause like when we see what's going on around the rest of the ship, like these jackbooted thugs are not respectful or cool or slick. They're they're like dumping over samples and they're like, you know, I elbowing people out of the way. Why is the part that affects me the most like the doc's samples being broken? <laughs> that made me so angry. <laughs> the fact that they're making a bit of a mess. Yeah. Just driving Adam up the wall. It really is. The like toxicity of their political beliefs, less so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Secondary to all of this mess. Would you just look at it? They're not going to help clean. I know you don't want to do it. Coffee black. Make it yourself. I'm trying to help you see this as an opportunity to grow. Make it yourself. Janeway's great with this guy, right? Because as slick as this guy is, Janeway's only barely giving him the the smallest amount of satisfaction being his audience. Like, she's just going through the motions, but not, like, you couldn't even call it passive aggressive because there's no aggressiveness to it. But there's definitely no passivity to it. You know what I mean? Like she's flipping him shit, but it's so subtle. It's like flipping him shit in the most like perfunctory, let's get through this business as fast as possible because I don't want to be here any more than you do. Yeah. Kind of way. Right. We're just trying to get back to Earth, Inspector. It's like interacting with a passport control guard. You don't want to like make them any more interested in you (laughs) baseline do you want to make a point or do you want to have a day right yeah exactly (laughs) (laughs) i would choose to have a day and just go on about it just get it over with and uh you know like kashik is very like you know seemingly interested in all her little captain's trinkets one of the things that i thought when he picked up the there was like the bust of a of an ancient soldier that they talk about and he like picks it up off the shelf and then puts it back down. Like there's no museum putty or anything under that thing. Like what happens when there's a banger? With all the bangers? Yeah. Like are captain's trinkets just constantly having to get replaced? Great call. Great call. I never thought about that before. I put just about everything on top of museum putty at my house. Yeah. Just about all of it. You're sitting on some right now. You can barely lift up a glass. <laughs> you got to lean over for that sip. That's why I pour the drink so high. You're, you're sipping off of the membrane. Yeah. Never finishing a drink. Is that why all the like pages in that magazine I found in your office were stuck together? Yeah. Yeah. Because it wasn't on the shelf straight up and down. It was 
Yeah. It was laying on its side. Laying horizontal. Can't be too careful. Yeah. <laughs> no. So we learn a lot about what's going on in their conversation. The Devore are, uh, you, you could call them uh, telepathists. They're specifically looking for Tuvok, Vorik, Suter, and one other person who yeah. are the, the four crew members who have any telepathic ability at all. Right. And uh, Janeway, you know, without looking up into the left to indicate that she is dissembling, tells this guy that they all died in like various shuttle accidents. And he's like, I have noticed that almost every single shuttle on your ship's manifest has been lost in action. So that's plausible. That's plausible. It would have been great if Suter were still alive and were like, you can have Suter. <laughs> Take my Suter. Please. <laughs> You'd actually be doing us a great favor. <laughs> He's still just in, yeah. in solitary confinement yeah. in his quarters. <laughs> they take him aboard their ship and, and like you just like see them flying away and like the lights start to blink out and the ship just kind of like starts 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 moving shittily <laughs> as he murders his way through it. He's their problem now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I missed that guy. Suter was a real one. Yeah. So the last little bit of business is Prax comes back. He's the kind of uh, second-in-command guy, and he says that there are no telepaths aboard, but they did find that the ship deviated from its flight plan a couple of times, and the captain explains this away as ion storm avoidance, and so they get to go on their merry way, but uh, we'll see you again because the Devor Imperium is big and you've got a lot of time to travel through it left. Uh, it's such a bummer. This is all going to keep happening. There's no stopping it. No stopping it. But at least they've got Kashik, right? Like Prax is even less fun than Kashik. Yeah. It's, it's, at one point, Kashik says that Prax is a man of few pleasures or something like that. I wonder what the pleasures are. Like, what is, what is Prax do to have fun the pleasures that prax is into aren't legal to send through the mail <laughs> he's got some real horrifying interests i think mm-hmm. we're sick to manage it you'd love it so like the moment the devore bug out there's this big sigh of relief and they and the crew gets to work they unveil their missing telepaths they beam them back aboard they had been in something like a pattern buffer right yeah and uh, the number of people that materialize is way more than oh, yeah. you might have expected if the list of four names that they went over was what you were imagining. You could tell Tuvok has his emotions on lock because as someone who has had a significant transporter accident before, mm. the idea of being smushed together with these folks for any period of time, that's not going to feel good. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's like touch and go getting them materialized for a second, and then they all have to go to Six Bay. Yeah. And the doctor's like, you know, there's some bad stuff happening to these people because of how long they're spending in the pattern buffer. I mean, you should have seen the back of Tuvok's head when he came in here. Yeah. It's better now, but uh, we can't do that too many more times. Doesn't anyone see that this is wrong? Yeah. I mean, not just too many more times. Like, the next time could be fatal. Yeah. This is a real problem. And there's uh, the the like leader of the people that they are transporting is like, hey, like I really appreciate that uh, you're doing this, but this is, this is starting to get pretty crazy. So yeah, 
you know, like I'm I'm not like going to be mad if you can't get us to where we're going. This is an episode that is certain that you need to know next to nothing about the Brunari, other than they are telepaths. Like, every time Kier pops back up on screen as, like, the leader of the Brunari, I'm like, oh, oh, right, like, he's their leader. Right. I remember. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that's not the gas in my house talking, you know? Right, right. That's uh, (laughs) that's, a... A thing you forgot honestly. <laughs> right. In the biz, this is a two-hander, right? This is just a Janeway and Kashik type of story. really is. It's uh, their two names above the title and no others. Yeah. We go into the ass lamp to check on where they're headed. It's, a, it's coordinates in a Mutara-class nebula where the Voyager will be dropping these folks off with a transport that will deliver them onto a wormhole that will get them out of divorce space. And I was like, cut out the middleman. Just go to the wormhole yourselves and get everybody out of divorce space. Precisely. They didn't go over the, the fact that the location of the wormhole was a secret for like way too long in this episode, I thought. Yeah, and they've got two days to get there. And given the number of inspections they've already received, this is just going to be a gauntlet of inspections, right? Really is. And uh so buckle up. The backs of a lot of your heads are gonna be pretty mangled by the time we're through this. The Samuel L. Jackson Jurassic Park meme, hold on to the back of your heads <laughs> <laughs> comes to mind. Yeah. Our course is locked in. Do it. Listen to me very carefully because I'm only going to say this once. Hey Adam, you know who hates flatter stories? Telepathic children. You know who else hates flatter stories? Everybody. (laughs) It seemed hopeless (laughs) until they discovered a door. Yeah, this is a well-timed interruption by Janeway. Yeah. Is anyone working here? (laughs) Are you guys still open? (laughs) She says. (laughs) She's being real caring about the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. It says you're open for another half an hour, and I haven't had dinner. And Neelix is like, yeah, well... You know, we've already like, you know, turned off the flat top and we're cleaning the kitchen right now. And she says, well, fire it back up, baby. Sincerely, I thought a lot about this scene in the context of of the larger story, because an unusual thing happens here. Janeway is really, really nice to Neelix in a playful physicality kind of way, Mm -hmm. like arm around him, bumping him with that fruit at the end. It is so pleasant. And that is the shit that's like not in the script. That is an actor, you know, like taking the scene in and acting realistically about their affection for another character. Right. And I was like, why does this feel so strange? (laughs) And the answer is, I think you need to see Janeway as a caring, emotional person before she starts getting in with Kashik. Right. Because if she is professionally buttoned up Captain Janeway throughout the episode, I think the affection that comes later isn't going to be as believable, maybe. Right. I think that the, uh, you know, the big knock against Janeway as a character is that the writer's room really struggled with, like, the tone of her character. Is she the hard-nosed captain that will stop at nothing to get her crew home, or is she the softer more approachable captain that is a counterpoint to Picard or mm-hmm. 
some, you know, blend of the two and or is she an emissary and she's going to go live with uh, ghost people and leave her family and somehow be seen as a hero for that? Is she like somehow simultaneously an expert at cooking the cuisine of New Orleans, but also when you see her cut up a carrot, it <laughs> looks like a crazy person is cutting a carrot up. <laughs> yeah, those are the questions in the writer's room. I've always thought that that was kind of an unfair criticism. Like, I think that because her character contains multitudes and is less archetypical, it just seems that way, mm. like that she is reacting differently in different scenarios. I always wanted to buy one of those archetypical jackets, but I, I never had mm. the money. Yeah, well, we'll try and put one up in podshop.biz. Podshop.biz? <laughs> You'll get it at a discount because you're uh, part of the company. What does that symbol even mean? Like, is that like a pterodactyl or something? What yeah, I that? think it's a Archaeopteryx? Yeah. Is that what it is? Yeah. It's oh. like a bird with teeth. Oh. Chomp, chomp, baby. All that is to say, I think you're right that this scene did seem a little bit unusual. Yeah. Most characters' interactions with Neelix fall somewhat <laughs> short of open <laughs> affection. <laughs> <laughs> most opt to just sort of get it over with as an interaction <laughs> yeah whatever gets them the food but she already had the get it over with mode when she was dealing with the devour inspectors so that would feel really harsh if she was using that same energy with neelix in this scene right right and here come the devour again yeah she gets called back up to the bridge mid broth yeah and uh this is just a, a small scout ship that has pulled up on them. Uh, it does not seem to be an inspection this time. This thing is not doing the shields up, weapons hot, heave to, and prepare to be boarded energy. And when they fire up the FaceTime, it's a inspector, was it Keshik? Kashik? I've been calling him Kashik. Kashik. Call me Kashik, please. <laughs> Kashik is the planet that uh, Chewbacca is from, right? <laughs> I wouldn't know. <laughs> Kashik is his name. Being a Wookiee planet is his game. He's a Devor inspector. He's here to ask for asylum on board Voyager because he's uh, realized how wayward he's become in involving himself in this, you know, fascist Gestapo government agency that he has been working for. He knows how unbelievable his deal is, and that's why he makes with the information, right? He's like, look, I know you don't believe me. Right. What with these ratty clothes and my weird cover story. But what if I were to tell you that this nebular was a trap? To catch vessels smuggling telepaths. And that I know you're harboring telepaths and exactly how many of them and so forth. Like, I have all this information that could be a benefit to you. Like, I could give you patrol intelligence. I could give you weaponry and defense information about our, our gray double Ds, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, aren't really much of a threat anymore. But back in the day, let me tell you, <laughs> the hottest ships in the fleet, baby. <laughs> They really turned some heads <laughs> in their time. <laughs> so yeah, he's he's trading this information that will guarantee the safety of the refugees 
for his own safe passage. And uh, they've already had a, a conversation about trust being something that is earned and like part of the mental framework that he uses to justify his hatred of uh, telepaths early on is that telepaths don't even need trust because they could just look inside each other's minds. So, you know, dot, 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 kill them all. (laughs) Then I'm really comfortable admitting I'm an idiot. After all, like, people know that I host a Star Trek podcast with you. (laughs) With me? What do I have to do with this? I was on the hook here. Like, I... I wanted to and did believe Kashik from here. Did you? Or were you disbelieving? No, I did. I mean, like, I think that one of the strengths of this episode is the twist. And yeah. that is a hard twist to get to. I feel like if this scene doesn't stick the landing, then the twist is worthless and the episode is worthless by extension the sequence happens so fast though and and i was thinking a lot about like why does it work like why do you believe him why are they attempting to make you believe him and why does it happen i think it's because they change locations so fast i think if you live in the ready room for a while knocking this around conversationally i think you're in one place long enough to poke some holes in the story but i think by going directly from Kashik saying, you got to believe me, and here's a bunch of information that's useful to you, to the ass lab where that information is being used. Yeah, You've already skipped past the part where we're deciding whether or not to trust him. We're already like digging into the gifts, the many gifts that he can provide as a person on your side. I think that's just, that's like a pivot that's like subtle, but it's so important because if you're not hooked here, the whole thing falls apart. You're not even halfway through the episode. Well, and crucially, Tuvok is there in the ass lab for that scene, and yeah. which means a lot of processing the idea of having him aboard and like aware, you know, like and not concealing the telepaths around him has been done. Do you think he considered melding here? <laughs> this was an episode where the meld hammer should have come out. Yeah. The melt hammer stayed in the velvet box, didn't it? I, I know that I've criticized Tuvok as a character for using the meld hammer too often, but yeah. this it would have really helped in this one. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> It helps that his story checks out too, right? It's not like he says there are there are gray double Ds in the nebular. They see them. Yeah. Like they're able to use their enhanced scanning to find them. So how are they going to get these refugees into the hell? Yeah. I mean, I also like that Janeway wants to defer to the refugees about how they decide what to do about this. So she goes down and talks to Kira and she's like, so what do you think? And he's like, you know, like defectors do happen and let's consider the fact that he's maybe a double agent and he's using us to find the wormhole but like trust is going to be tricky but like let's let this play out a little bit see what happens there's an idea floated in this scene it's that uh there's a guy who could be useful in a situation like this in finding the hole and this guy's name is torat but this guy's got a real bad reputation he could be an issue to work with yeah so i don't know whether that's going to go anywhere we're going to have to spend some time looking for this hurl expert, mm-hmm. and that'll be our next project. 
Meanwhile, we get a little hang between Janeway and Kashik in the conference room. Every time uh, Kashik is in a, in a space, there are a couple of security people with dustbusters just watching him. He's he's like always under armed guard mm-hmm. in this episode. That is a nice reminder of the way things are, not only for Kashik but for us. You know, like they're just right. always in the background there. Because they've said he's like sort of on, he's on like the kind of house arrest where you can go to your job, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) like you can check out and go to your job, like, but he can't like go to the mess hall. He can't go to the holodeck. He's got some, some big limitations. But also, you know, like in addition to like Kashik being a dangerous man because of the security around, there's also the implication of Kashik being a dangerous man. Yeah. You know, like in a sexy way. Because this is the scene where it feels like there's a little bit of game being flung around, right? Like Kashik is like uh, Chris Isaacing her a little bit. <laughs> I feel like. Yeah, I mean, with that hair. Yeah. I don't think anyone could doubt that. It's interesting to couple that energy with the like, well, I've like w- really walked away from my whole life uh, and like I'm going to be like treated as a pariah by these people you know, people who I've been, like, hunting and I'm now trying to, like, refugee away with. Yeah, Kashik is like, look, man, if I leave my wife for you, like, I gotta be sure that this is gonna work, okay? <laughs> it's that kind of energy. Why the sudden change of heart? There's nothing sudden about it. I've been looking for a way to escape for years. I wonder how much they thought about his costume for this because the kind of, like, frumpy brown Donegal tweed jacket that he's wearing. Uh-huh. It doesn't quite have the bad boy motorcycle jacket energy yeah. that his performance does. Yeah. And his uniform sort of did. So <laughs> it's kind of funny that he tra- changed into this specifically. Yeah. Like it's a very professorial look that he has. <laughs> right. And that's an interesting choice because he is not peacocking, you know? No. In the way no. that he dresses, his sexuality uh, comes from his mind. Mm. Right? Yeah, he believes that the mind is the best weapon <laughs> sexually. Times change for some people. <laughs> so they catch up with uh, this scientist that knows about the wormhole. This guy is named Torot, and he is a real rubber face. Yeah. Of the two hosts of this show, you're going to be the expert on the Torat, Ben. <laughs> Am I? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> As a recently... Uh, religiously converted person <laughs> I converted to nothing <laughs> I love how they hack this guy's FaceTime yeah yeah like from behind I also like that he believes that if a hacker takes over your computer you can be like go away <laughs> and they'll stop did this guy sound like Richard Dreyfus to you oh because he sounded like Richard Dreyfus to me he does give a little bit of a Dreyfus voice, doesn't he? It's Richard Dreyfus. He was sounding so much like Richard Dreyfus, I decided to do a little research. And what I found via commentary track to the 1983 movie Vacation starring Chevy Chase. Uh-huh. <laughs> Chevy Chase mentions in the commentary track that Randy Lowell who is this actor who is also in Vacation, he's Richard Dreyfuss' brother. Whoa! 
Randolph Lowell Dreyfus is his full name. Whoa. And that's where the case went cold. Because on Richard Dreyfus's Wikipedia page, like there is a brother and a sister listed, none of which are Randolph. What? And so there seems to be a uh, a strange family situation happening there where maybe this guy didn't want to be a Dreyfus anymore, professionally or personally. So much so that it's not even mentioned on the Wikipedia page? Yeah. There's that moment in The Godfather where they ask Randolph Lowell if he renounces the Dreyfus, and he says, I do renounce him. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that weird? Are they related to Julia Louis Dreyfus? Oh, that, that I don't know. And I don't believe it, but maybe. And are they related to the Dreyfus affair? I do not believe that is the case. Well. At all. Anyways. I mean, I hope not. Jacques used this alien Torot of being a <laughs> stuffy academic who can only be gotten to through his professional ego. There's only one man in the world that could make that kind of pivot, Ben. <laughs> excellent. <laughs> they sit this guy down in the ready room. And yeah, they're trying to bribe him. He doesn't seem to have the information they need. At least he makes it seem that way. Yeah. And Kashik and Janeway are a fun, bad cop, flirty cop <laughs> in this scene. They kind of play into a scientific vanity. And uh, it's funny in the scene, like the idea of calling wormholes wormholes is uh, called in the question, like, who calls them that? A layman's term that, that covers any number of phenomena. It's like people that think that gravity being a theory means that it's not verified by science. Right. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. like, he has great scorn for the non-experts on wormholes. Sure does. And uh, it's not enough to just fly directly at the wormhole, because the wormhole is one of those ones that's not in a fixed location. It's like the Barzan wormhole. Yeah. Where it flies around all over the place. It's a dry well, Captain. Worthless. You know what I like about Torret is that he's got uh, little inflatable balloons inside his loaf. Yeah. That's a lot of fun. I love that this actor thought about, like, what are some things I can do with the fact that this rubber mask they put my head in puffs up, you know, like, like, and he uses it. Like, I I would love to know whether that was in the script or just something he discovered on set, you know? That's where my head went is like the fantasy of they get Randolph Dreyfus, you know, into loaf and they're like, look, man, you cannot breathe through your nostrils for like two hours until the glue sets. All right. So just chill out here and wait. And he went outside to like smoke. Yeah. <laughs> And the makeup artist comes back like, God damn it! I told you not to breathe out your nostrils! You've ruined my work! He's like, you're upset. My fucking face is full of nicotine tar. Yeah. They turned face chicken shit into face chicken salad because this turns into a great alien moment. He makes it a part of the character. It's great. They saw that face chicken shit and they started cutting up onions and celery. (laughs) (laughs) Some mayonnaise. Yeah. Yeah, put that on the menu at Cisco's. (laughs) I would recommend the shrimp creole. I've got to get that platinum. Put your platinum where your mouth is. I've I've got to get that platinum. I think we've just drunk gold. You might have heard us talk about Squarespace before and you're thinking, what do I need a website for? 
I already have a bunch of profiles across the different social medias. But isn't it time you had a place online that wasn't owned by a social media company? How about you take control of your online identity with a website of your own? For that, there's Squarespace. With Squarespace, you can buy a URL and build a customized website with your name, and not a giant social media company's name, with your name attached and a bunch of numbers at the end. With Squarespace, you can have a place on the internet personalized to your aesthetic that lets you tell people about who you are instead of an algorithm. And the best part is, you don't have to be an experienced designer or a web page creator to make something great because Squarespace is always there for you with their award-winning 24 by 7 customer support. Don't settle for being another company's product. Be your own product with a website that's all you with Squarespace. Go to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, use the offer code SCARVES to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com. The code is SCARVES. Think it. Dream it. Make it with Squarespace. Boy, do I love a microdose gummy from Lumi Labs. I'm uh, I'm running low, so I'm going to head over to microdose.com pretty soon and put in another order. Microdosing is a technique I use to steer my mentals in a preferred direction several times a week. And uh, I just love it because you can really predict what is going to happen and to what degree it is going to happen because these are very low-dose cannabis gummies that uh, give you an entry-level dose that help you feel just the right amount of good. And they've been super loyal as sponsors to Greatest Trek and Greatest Gen, so I hope you will give them a try. Get 30% off your first order plus free shipping today at microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. It's available nationwide. That's microdose.com. Promo code is SCARVES for 30% off and free shipping. Microdose.com. Promo code SCARVES. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. So now the problem of how do we figure out where this wormhole is going to show up falls to, for some reason, Janeway and Kashik <laughs> and no one else. Yeah. Like, 
Voyager, a ship of science, mm. does not enlist any crew members to work on this problem. It enlists the work of a former police inspector and the ship's captain to, to try and find a pattern in this wormhole data. Who together have railroaded an alien with face balloons into doing their bidding. Like, yeah. did they not become what they hate the most in <laughs> haranguing this guy? I felt bad for Torette. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did give him a year's supply of uh, silver goo to run his spaceship on. Yeah. He did it for the goo, didn't he? That's going to get him to a lot of academic conferences, you know? Fair. Yeah. They uh, pick a very romantic setting for doing this science, and uh, it's got the Colian Coliar happening outside the window there. Oh, yeah. Very romantic. Yeah. Janeway's wearing her bad relationships idea gray t-shirt when she does this work <laughs> with Kashik. That's fun. It's available now at podshop.biz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I wear this when I'm feeling flirty. <laughs> Or when I'm feeling mutinous. Either one, really. <laughs> Hard to tell apart. I mean, you could call it a mutiny of the heart. Couldn't you? Wow. Who's really in charge? Wow. There is a <laughs> point made in this conversation that uh, they're breaking the prime directive by helping the telepaths. Yeah. Is that true? Don't like that. Are the telepaths a non-warp capable species? This is why I brought up that point earlier about the Bernari and how little we know about them. Like... We don't know anything about them. Yeah. I mean, they were they were picked up. They were saved from a freighter. Right. Scooped up and uh, and taken away, and that's really all we know. Hard to square with the Janeway we know, that uh, she would just fly past the Prime Directive without a big involved scene of debating the pros and cons. But uh, here we are. <laughs> I wanted to cut away to Chakotay so bad right now, like... What is he doing? Yeah. Where is he on the ship and what is he doing? He's just sitting in his office with like like 10 boxes of brand new Dixon Ticonderogas, <laughs> sharpening them one by one. And breaking them one by one. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Janeway kind of negs Kashik in this scene also when uh, she tells him that she hasn't decided whether she likes him at all. It's a real steamy moment. She's she's playing her own game, Adam. I mean, who's playing who here? Because there's that element, but there's also Kashik being like, you know, you could be my happy ending to the many atrocities I've perpetrated on telepaths. <laughs> so don't feel too much pressure, dot, dot, dot. Because if I leave those atrocities... I'm going to want to make sure this works with you and me. And it wasn't just for nothing. I kind of have a life with those atrocities. We have a shared bank account, okay? He is like making the case for like maybe you you and me. And she is really like easing into that idea like a warm bath amidst him telling her about like sending a girl to the death camps. <laughs> Janeway, are you listening to what he's saying? Or are you just looking at that jawline? God, I know. It is a very... Very tight jawline. Guy's a hunk. I feel like I used to have a good jawline, and now it's uh, feeling like a forty-three-year-old man's jawline. Yeah. Well, at least you can uh, you can puff it up like. Uh, oh yeah. Like Torot. 
<laughs> when you get uh, flustered. The computer interrupts this moment of titillation to announce that the plan they've been working on works. Yeah. I mean, sort of. Yeah, they use some sort of musical al- algorithm to like get a much better idea of where the wormhole will next appear. But, you know, it's no easy feat to get there. And uh, the next morning, we see the, like, sensor grid that they're going to have to cross through on their way to it. This is, a like, a, I feel like a few episodes ago, we had a, a ship send out, like, a communications pulse that, like, knocked their ship on its side. Mm-hmm. And this is a sensor pulse that kind of does the same. Like, <laughs> when they're flying through it, it's really, like, rattling the ship to hell. It's funny, like, Voyager and specifically Janeway does not have a great track record with stations that send intermittent pulses, right? Yeah. Those... That's sort of how this whole thing started. <laughs> yeah. I like that they just totally blow it here. Like yeah. the first one that hits them, they're like, all right, now turn down the energy. <laughs> and like the idea is that for 40 second intervals over the course of 10 minutes, they'll be doing this. They'll like go to warp for 40 seconds and turn everything off for the pulse and then go back to warp. Did you feel like Kashik blew this for them? Was this part of his plan or was this incidental? Oh, did not think about that. That's a great like uh, rewatching Fight Club for the second time question. Yeah. I like that theory a lot. Maybe. I didn't know that the warp core was that easy to like turn off and turn back on. I know. So, like, when they realize that they've been detected and that uh, the bad guys are going to be coming to intercept them, it's a long overdue nacelle flex warp. We haven't seen the nacelles go up and the ship go to warp in such a long time, I feel like. And then we are in a McLaughlin group. Issue one. Where they are talking about, okay, there's six hours until we get to the hull. And the bad guys will be on us in six hours and the hole will be open for two minutes. So like everything is converging on this two minute window that we will have to try and rescue these people. Kashik uses this moment to uh, do a we need to talk (laughs) with Janeway. And his idea is this. You got to give me up, babe. I know this thing between us is cool. But, like, maybe I'm your last hope, and if I go back to work, because I told them I was going on vacation for a couple weeks, <laughs> hence the uh, the tweed, uh, if I put on my uniform again and went back over there, I could order those ships to give you only the most cursoriest look over before letting you go, and then you can take these Brunari to the Herald where they belong. Great success for everyone. I'm not trying to say that Bernari just like belong in a hurl. I mean, like, I know that that sounds like the old me. I'm not, I'm, I swear to God, I'm not the old me. I'm new me and I'm trying to, I'm going to, this is a very self-sacrificial thing. I'm going to go, I'm going to cause the inspection to be very light. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't get to do my defection like I hoped. Yeah. And Janeway is like, well, that's very sweet. So uh, we'll just like leave one foot in the door, you know, leave it slightly ajar. And uh, see if you can make it into the hurl with us on our way out of this part of space. There's coffee in having someone around who appreciates a bit of Tchaikovsky now and then. It's really one of those absent a better idea, the only choice Janeway could make. I kind of got it. I didn't like it, but I got it. Yeah. So uh, there needs to be a walkout, right? Like Janeway walks Kashik to the cargo bay where his ship is. Right. And boy, what a scene, right? They, uh... <laughs> The long kiss goodbye. 
camera panning over to Chakotay snapping <laughs> another pencil. <laughs> There's a second level to the <laughs> to the shuttle bay, and up on the railing, Chakotay takes a tumble. <laughs> I love how Kashik goes in for the kiss and then Janeway goes in with two hands. Double hands it. And uh, boy, so passionate. I mean, when she watches him go, that basement is totally flooded. Yeah, yeah. That's why they had to do like a cowboy shot of her, you know. (laughs) Be careful. Yeah, they cut from the ship back to Janeway, and her uniform tunic is is tied around her waist. <laughs> she's she's back in the uh, seducing a strange alien shirt. <laughs> I mean, that's the my basement's been flooded shirt. <laughs> so his shuttle flies away, and uh, off they head to this showdown and uh when they get hailed it's uh, it's the same routine we've seen this all before it's prax up on the facetime telling them to heave to they're like yeah 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 we know all the things the inspection yada 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 i love how all the camera angles are the same you know like we we dodge around the ship and we see the same fucking procedure everywhere yeah. with just people in different places but the actions are the same and sure enough, uh, some music starts up in on the one MC, and Janeway goes into her office, and uh, there he is. Kashik is uh, is back in in her seat, running his inspection, and uh, seems like it's going well. You know, there's like lots of like subtle hints that like yeah, it's like wink, wink. Yeah, I mean, Kashik lets Voyager get off with a warning, but will Janeway? get off with more Mm. that was my question it's a great question especially after prax is dismissed right like they're just alone (laughs) together yeah and uh when prax is finally out of the room jane was like oh thank you finally we can talk yeah i thought he'd never leave yeah uh here it comes the awful moment this isn't a scene where where kashik uses an arm and like scoops everything off of Janeway's desk and they get down. (laughs) This isn't that at all. This is the exact opposite of that. Yeah. Janeway's been played. They shot that ending, but they decided to go with this one instead. It didn't test well. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It was all about Voyager leading the Devore to the wormhole. Yeah. They wanted to know where it was and how to find it in the future. Yeah. And uh, I thought Janeway was going to blow up the ship here. Mm. She is so fucking mad. And she is sort of sotto voce when she talks to him. Yeah. uh, Yeah. He uh, gets on the radio and tells Prax to uh, rematerialize the refugees and where the wormhole is going to be. And this washes over Janeway's face. The the humiliation of having been totally taken for a ride, been deceived, not only on a professional level, but on a romantic level. Yeah. Yeah. It hurts. She's like, was it all a lie? Even the part about you sending the girl to the death camp? And he said, that was the truth. And she's like, God, I can't believe that that turned me on as much as it did. That's so fucked up. What does that say about me? (laughs) We can't choose our kinks, I guess. That's just who I am. Yeah. They go out on the bridge and he sort of smugly orders a torpedo launched at the 
thing on the screen that he believes to be the wormhole. The saddest part of this moment is uh, Keisha gets ready to destroy a hole that isn't Janeway's. Because <laughs> that was her expectation. Is that one of the ones you wrote beforehand? Yeah. All right, that was worth it. See? See? It's worth it! <laughs> they also rematerialize what they think are going to be the refugees, and they're just barrels full of Leola roots. Yeah. Those weren't the refugees, right? Those can't read minds. No. It's a fake. <laughs> but uh, like in the accounting, the DeVore realized that they're missing two shuttles on Voyager. And when we cut over to those shuttles, our refugees are aboard. And they're the ones that shoot the torpedo at the hole, And they get up on in that wormhole and they're gone forever. I was shocked that uh, Tuvok wasn't the one in command of the lead shuttle shooting the torpedo. Yeah, it seemed like a difficult operation. I guess not. They gave that to Kier, and there are three Starfleets in the contingent of people that can read minds here. You didn't split them up between the shuttles? Do you think Chakotay's off the hook for his <laughs> his path of destruction <laughs> when it comes to shuttles? <laughs> oh, I... I thought you were going to ask about the path of destruction when it comes to dicks and Ticonderogas. Oh, I mean, there's that too, but I mean, two shuttles in one go, they're not going to see those again. Well, aren't they though? Because doesn't the Voyager have to rendezvous with them to pick up Tuvok? And I guess Vorik? I guess so. I never put that together. Yeah, because like the end of this episode is really contemplative and weird because basically Kashik is like, all right, Prax, uh, let everybody go and like, erase all records, like tell your men they were never here because mm -hmm. this would be too professionally humiliating. Like we'll never get a promotion again if the bosses find out that we let this many telepaths go through our space, mm -hmm. which like I read, like I thought that was totally plausible, but it, it really ends on this like, so what happens with everybody? Like does the Voyager go to an another location where the wormhole opens or... Did they just continue a warping and they're without Tuvok for a long time or what? The explosion from the relationship between Kashik and Janeway, I think, is meant to be so large yeah. that it obscures all of these questions, Ben. Because I, I did not think about those factors at all. I was just thinking about, you know, like when Kashik clears the bridge after this mission is accomplished by Janeway... And they do that, we could have been so fucking hot together kind of conversation the two people have <laughs> when they get this close to just burning down their lives, you know, in, in exchange for like one night of wormholing. Yeah. That's what this episode wants you to consider. It really does. And that's where the episode ends. Did you like it? You know, I'm really easy to get along with most of the time. But I don't like bullying. I don't like friends. And I don't like you. I really like this episode. I think I especially like that Kashik seems like he was genuinely tempted, you know? Yeah. Like, he was deceiving her the whole time. She was acting as if that was a possibility the whole time. Yeah. But, like, it seems like the feelings, at least, were kind of genuine. Like, this was steamier than I expected at the beginning. And a very interesting story. Like, I... 
There's so many like different ways you could go with this too. Like the the Tuvok mind meld to verify would have been an interesting thing to explore. The like continuing to interrogate the idea of trust. Like if that had been like part of the relationship the entire time, like kind of teasing each other about trust as they got sexier and sexier would have been interesting. But like And like why the Bernari aren't anywhere around Kashik in such a way where like the kids could tell the ending to the Flotter story that Neelix was telling. Why couldn't the kids tell if Kashik was lying? Well they said that the they train like the soldiers trained to like shield their minds. Oh. Which also could have explained the the mind meld thing yeah. away. Yeah. But yeah, like I feel like this episode has the potential of like 10 different episodes. And I I feel like it realizes that potential in its own surprising and interesting way, which is a a weird way for an episode to be. Because I feel like just as often it's like an episode has the potential of one episode and like medium (laughs) succeeds at that potential, you know? (laughs) That's really true. You were talking at the beginning about, you know, the, the challenge a room might face in deciding what sort of Captain Janeway is. And here we are, you know, in the middle of season five, finally recognizing that one of the many parts of a person is their sexuality. And it was cool to see that Janeway is like, also has a sexual inner life. Yeah. And she was like down to pound (laughs) for the mission. Yeah. You know? She should have done this a long time ago. Because there's that moment in the shuttle bay where she knows Kashik is conning her when he kisses her. Yeah. But when she chooses to kiss him, that's the reversal. Like, she didn't have to do that. He believes a million percent at that moment that he has her right where he wants her. That's the undercover that has to do the cocaine in front of everyone. <laughs> like, that's Janeway's kiss. Yeah, yeah. She has to make it believable. The shit's chess, it ain't checkers. I love it. It's great, and maybe its greatness comes from where that kiss might have come from, whether or not there are true feelings there, or if Janeway's just so stone fucking cold that she would do the coke because she's undercover and that's Mm -hmm. what the mission requires. Mm -hmm. Like it could be any of those things. It could be all of those things at once, but it is very exciting to see the side of Janeway and I hope we see more of it. Cause also just like, Hey, free coke, you know, this shit is really expensive and this guy's giving you some for free to prove you're not a cop. Right. Yeah. Got to do it. Take that deal every time. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It just a outstanding Kate McGrew episode. Like, has to be said, she yeah. fucking takes this thing over. And that's not to diminish anything that the actor who plays Kashik did. Like the two of them together equal how great this episode is, I think. They're just a total smoke show together. Hot fuck action to the max, Jack. Really great. You know what else is a total smoke show? Is our priority one inbox, Adam. Do you want to head over there and see what we got? Oh, yeah. It's just a smoking hole. Or- Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Need a supplemental income. Supplemental income? Supplemental. Supplemental. Yeah, it's extra. But the interest alone could be enough to buy this ship. Adam, our first priority one message is of a promotional nature. It goes like this. 
Podsathoth. A Lovecraft Book Club is a horror-slash-comedy podcast by two FODs inspired by Greatest Gen. We talk about the work of H.P. Lovecraft story by story, but don't worry. We also discuss the racism and xenophobia of Lovecraft himself. Oh, thank God. Good. Also, there are jokes and extra-sexual inferences. This P1 is to ask for advice. On February 15th, 2023, we'll be going to London, England for a live recording at the London Lovecraft Festival. We're both confused and terrified as to how this happened. Any advice? Any advice for for going to a festival? Man, I'd, I'd say my biggest piece of advice is like see other shows at the festival and hang out at the festival because uh, your Lovecraftian peers will be there Mm -hmm. and uh, it will be cool to make connections in that space, I think. I mean, I don't have too much podcast or comedy festival experience as a performer, but I can tell you based on our experience at San Francisco Sketchfest, you want to hang out in that lobby bar of the hotel if you can. Yeah. That's where all of the impromptu fun tends to happen. You'll be just sitting there, like, pouring back a, an ale, mm-hmm. presumably. Cthulhu walks off the elevator. In the flesh. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta be there for that. You can't be in your room. <laughs> Heed the call. <laughs> hey, congratulations for getting an invitation to a festival. That's an exciting time. Yeah, that's really cool. You can search for London Lovecraft Festival online to find tickets for that, or uh, look for Podsothoth colon a Lovecraft book club in your podcatcher of choice. And I'm told that Podsothoth rhymes with Rod's drop cloth. Oh, that's nice. Here in the pronunciation guide. Hey, one last bit of advice because something caught my eye in this in this copy. They're doing a live recording there at this festival. Yeah. This leads me to believe that this might be uh, your first time interacting with a professional audio producer of some kind or a room with techs or whatever. Yeah. Be their favorite fucking people. Be as cool as hell to to the people that, that work in these rooms. Yeah. Is my advice. Not only because it's the right thing to do, but because it's how you get invited back to cool things like this. Truly, and uh, they also have had a really rough couple of years if yeah. uh, the folks in London are anything like the folks in the U.S. and Canada. So, yeah. Hey, break a leg out there at the uh, London Lovecraft Festival. Yeah. Ben, our next Priority One message is from Rufus Letois from Aurora H3. Did I get that right? Rufus Letoit? Yeah. I right. think maybe the first time you had it closer. <laughs> Rufus Letois from Aurora H3. It is to friends of DeSoto Hash House Harriers. (laughs) Message goes like this. On, on, and Mary Hashmas to all the bimbos and wankers around the world. (laughs) May your down-downs be plentiful and your malort fuel you through your week. Boy. The intention for this was in December. Uh Not picky about when. Probably didn't want this to be end of January, <laughs> as this reads as a sort of holiday right. message. I hate that you, you have to like think twice before saying Merry Hashmas now. Yeah, I know? know. Happy Hasha like, Days is uh, mm-hmm. what we've been made to say. Yeah. It's like, hey, 
I just want to like celebrate my own culture. All right. <laughs> is, is that a crime? Uh, our last <laughs> P1 here is from Tiny Teeth and it's to Juicy Butt. Why did I marry you? I do not remember. Perhaps it was your dashing good looks or your unwavering honor. Or maybe it was the fact that if we were stranded on a remote planet, you wouldn't build me a bathtub because you know I hate baths. Whatever the reason, I do remember that it's our second anniversary and I love you the mostest. Wow. I'm not used to hearing Kern that affectionate. Yeah, or remembering something. No, yeah, exactly. Uh, a month late, but uh, hey, happy anniversary to Juicy Bud and Tiny Teeth. Like Kern would remember an anniversary date also. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, yeah, give me a break. I can't even remember that. It's true. Well, yeah, and what's our excuse? We haven't been lobotomized. I'm just breathing gas all day, every day in my home. Yeah. I've only had the normal amount of piss administered intravenously while in the hospital, you yeah. know? Yeah. Not a lot extra. No. Well, Adam, uh, if people want to get something up on the Jumbotron slash in the Priority One message inbox, the way they do it is by heading to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron and setting it up today. Today! Don't put off a priority one message for tomorrow, what you could put on today. That's my advice. Mm. Hey, Adam. What's that, Ben? Did you find yourself a drunk Shimoda? Incredible. Drunk Shimoda! I love the moment where Janeway walks Kashik back to his quarters, and at the doorway, Kashik kind of makes that soft pass. Like, hey, this... Yeah. Boy, what a day at work. But now that we're not at the office, how about... Uh, you show me how to use the replicator. And the way Janeway smashes his fucking nuts with the, you don't have a working replicator because I didn't permit it. <laughs> Was so great. And like the first instance of like, maybe there's a little bit of a flicker of a, of a thing here. Mm -hmm. I love the moment, but like the, the Shimoda moment of Kashik going, Certainly everything in my corridors is operational for an impromptu date if I chose to have one with the captain, right? <laughs> no dice. <laughs> I just love that moment. So uh, Kashik's my drunk Shimoda for that. What about you, Ben? The, uh, boy, the pressure is really on Janeway, uh, too, because her security team is like standing there yeah. like listening for what her answer is going to be. <laughs> I wouldn't want that attention for sure. Yeah. I'm going to give uh, my drunk Shimoda to Prax, the man of few pleasures, Kashik's right-hand man. I just, uh, this actor, uh, J. Patrick McCormick, a, a great that guy, almost always a cop or like a general or something similar. Yeah. In uh, just so, so many movies and TV shows. He has a face for authority. <laughs> Yeah, like, just like looking at his IMDb right now, it's like mayor, attorney, senator, general, general counsel, police commissioner. You know, like everything is everything is that 
And I, I, I thought he did great in this role. Very hateable character. And uh, I, I, I love a, that guy. I love, I love a, that guy popping up like this. He's a man of a thousand David Simon credits. Yeah, it really is. Well, Adam, that just about does it for our treatment of season five, episode 10. Let me tell you a little something about season five, episode 11. I would like to know more about it. It's called Latent Image. When the doctor discovers that his short-term memory has been tampered with, he launches an investigation. So uh, it sounds like we're heading into an episode with a different kind of hole hole in your memory. Yeah. God, I mean, how can you be sure if you're the doctor? Your memories are in the cloud, aren't they? Yeah. Anyone could get at those. Yeah. That could just be a sync error, you know? Yeah. How would he even know? You wouldn't. That's the point. Seems like he's in a tough spot. Yeah. Are we in a tough spot with our uh, runabout at the game of buttholes? The will of the caretaker? You could say that. We are on the doorstep of a Darmok eyes uncovered square. There's also a banger that we could hit. A banger that we have hit before out ahead of our shuttlecraft. You're required to learn as you play. Roll. Wish me luck as I roll this bone. Good luck. Thanks. Adam, I rolled a six. Tula! Did I win? Hardly. Jumping us to safety on the far side of that banger, past the eyes uncovered. Massive. On to square 26. Regular episode next week. I'm looking forward to it. Huge roll. Big, big roll. God. That's super exciting. You know what else is exciting, Adam? We're just a little bit of the way into the year 2023. And guess what's coming up? The Max Fun Drive. It's less than two months away. Two months, you say? Yeah, less than. Two months of relative peace (laughs) before the drive really hits the fan, huh? The drive will be hitting the fan in March. I'm really excited about the Max Fun Drive because uh, that's the time of year that we turn to the Friends of DeSoto for their support and uh brother we could use their support so i'm hoping people are getting excited for that if you just can't wait you can head to maximumfund.org slash join right now and sign up today yeah yeah i mean really january is a great time to just make sure that uh, your money is going where it should supporting mm, the things yeah. that you care about january Indeed. it's either january or whenever max fund drive is that's what i've always said <laughs> Those are the two times per year Yeah, you want to make sure you're paying for the things you love. Or any other month. Right. Exactly. <laughs> I've always said that January or whatever month MaxFunCon drive is or any of the other three, six, or nine months out of the year. Yeah. Yeah. They're all perfectly valid. You've always said that, Adam. The gas is getting wavy in here, Ben. I'm looking around and I, I can barely see. Yeah, you know you're supposed to light that gas on fire to heat your house up, right? You want to see something uh, uncomfortable? Oh my god! <laughs> You've got one of those uh, one of those readers that tells you how bad the air is in your house. At a thousand parts per million, it says that uh, you're supposed to lose fifteen percent of your uh, brain ability. Did you know that? Jesus. Jesus. And I've been looking at this meter the entire time we've been recording, 
and it has been between 900 and 1,000 the entire time. So imagine if this episode had been recorded in a house that was heated with an electric heater, just how much funnier Adam would have been this episode. Yeah, yeah. 15% funnier. At least. (laughs) At least. (laughs) 15%. We got a few more people to thank. We got to thank Bill Tilly, the card daddy who runs our social media at Greatest Trek on all the platforms. We got to thank Adam Ragusia, who made our original theme song. Uh, check him out on YouTube. Adam Ragusia is the handle, Adam Ragusia is the channel. <laughs> That's jaunty. That's fun. Yeah. We got to thank the great Wendy Pretty, our producer, who uh, keeps the wheels turning over at the Uxbridge Shimoda corporate headquarters yeah, in our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. That's right. Those wheels grind our audio tracks into the fine powder that is then milled yeah. into the edited program that Friends of DeSoto enjoy. And then crooks make undercover cops do bumps of to oh, yeah. <laughs> verify. Yeah, you want to do it, key bumps of uh, our fresh milled podcast. <laughs> That's pure. Yeah. Enjoy it. I can't feel my face. With that, we will be back at you next time with another great episode of Star Trek Voyager. Another episode of The Greatest Generation Voyager, where 15% or so of our short-term memory is missing for some reason. I think I have an explanation for the doctor. Uh, We'll figure that out. Maybe you want to check his gas lines. (laughs) This fucking episode has been an invitation to every armchair doctor to tell me to get out of my house. (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, Those will be fun emails to receive. Adam's being slowly poisoned. (laughs) Ben shouldn't take Darone over to Adam's house until he gets this fixed. Record scratch. He is being poisoned. (laughs) And Ben should not take his baby here. The armchair doctors are right. Make it show. 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 Make it show.